Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, we're going to be talking about the Ohio State House and legislation that's uh, being worked through the uh, Ohio General Assembly right now during what's called the lame duck session. This is the end of the General Assembly, this current General Assembly, and they're getting uh, a number of things done just before the holidays, so things are really busy in Columbus. And so we thought, who better to talk to to give us a complete briefing but Greg Lawson, who is the Senior Research Fellow at the Buckeye Institute, our good friend. Greg uh, Lawson is a Research Fellow, again, at the Ohio uh, with the Buckeye Institute, with expertise on Ohio's budget, local government, state and local taxes, education, educational funding, transportation funding, and occupational licensing. Uh, Greg uh, is man down there at the State House, and so we've plucked him today to give us a great update. Uh, Greg, w- welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It's always great to be on, Chris. Well, I know that you're in between committee meetings right now, so we'll get right to it. So there's a couple of things that have really popped up on the radar for a lot of conservatives. One is the 60% constitutional amendment increase proposal. This is uh, State Representative Brian Stewart is the chief sponsor of it, but it does have broad support in the uh, Republican caucus. Uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose came out in a press conference with Representative Stewart a couple weeks ago. This would uh, basically raise the threshold to a 60% passage for any constitutional amendment on the ballot. It first has to pass by a uh, strong majority in the Ohio House, the Ohio Senate, to even put it on the ballot for consideration to Ohio voters. So uh, they're hoping to get this done, the lame duck session, to put it on the May uh, ballot of 2023. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, I think the first thing is it's not 100% clear that it's going to be done here in the lame duck session. There's a lot of these. It's hard to explain to folks who aren't down at the state house, but these are very uh, interesting times where there's a lot of movement on a wide range of different issues and Legislators are in and out of committees, and there's bills flying and amendments flying around. So it's a relatively chaotic time. And so trying to count votes, get votes, put everything into place. And this is a big lift issue. As you mentioned, there is a lot of support for it. Uh, But there also is, as you may have seen and folks who are listening may have seen, there's been, you know, kind of an outpouring of opposition from a lot of different uh, organizations and activist groups as well. So it's uh, it's a challenge. And as of right now, I'm not sure uh, that there's the votes there to get it on. Uh, there's a question about that. Uh, it could happen. Uh, I think there's still a possibility. Uh, but I don't think anybody can tell you right now for sure that it will happen in lame duck. Now, I would say that if it didn't happen, I think that this is an issue that will come back pretty early in the next General Assembly, which will... The whole, all the new legislators who've been elected that are new, they restart. You know, they have another general assembly that comes in in January, and so I would imagine this issue is not going to go away if it doesn't clear uh, the hurdles, so to speak. Now, but uh, it is still an open question uh, as to what's going to happen. But I, I think what's really important for folks to understand out there, uh, there's uh, there's definitely some some support for it. But there's some folks out there who think that this is a 
uh, a negative thing. This is something that is going to somehow reduce democratic accountability out there. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's not, um, you know, why there's some challenges making sure that things can get across the finish line. I think what's really important for folks out there to understand is Ohio is one of only 18 states that allow for citizen-initiated constitutional amendments. Most states don't even allow for this to happen at all. And where Ohio is also uh, not entirely unique, but is unlike many other states, is that it allows, in addition to the constitutional amendment, it also allows for citizen-initiated statutes. It allows for the citizens to be able to gather signatures and actually do legislation rather than amendments to the state constitution. So we actually have an incredibly large amount of democratic accountability in the state of Ohio when you take a look at how those two processes work some, uh, that, and the options that are available to voters if they feel like they're not being heard by their elected representatives. They have and would certainly still have, uh, after passage of this uh, amendment, uh, would still have plenty of opportunities to be able to engage in their democratic uh, things and hold their officials accountable if they feel that they're not doing what they have been elected to do. Well, and let's make it clear, the statute uh, initiative would not change. That would still be a simple majority. We're talking about a constitutional amendment to the state constitution. Any proposal to change the state constitution would need 60% passage uh, for adoption. That is what the proposal is. Quite honestly, Greg, I have to tell you that the Ohio Christian Alliance, we're firmly on board with the proposal because we have seen over the years that it is constitution for hire and and buyer. Uh, you know, it's out there on the uh, auction block. And let me explain. For over 20 years, we worked with other groups to fight gambling initiatives on this state, constitutional amendment. Unfortunately, they hit us the one year, and when they were able to get it done, that's how we have casinos now. Quite honestly, if we had the 60% threshold at that time, then we wouldn't have casino gaming in this state, which I think would be a good thing, and so do a lot of other conservatives. Uh, but let's say this. The state constitutional amendment on marriage in 2004 that our organization worked with, a number of organizations to get that on the ballot, it passed by nearly 62%. Let's take Marcy's Law that gives victims rights. It passed by over 60%. Let's talk about the last two ballot initiatives, constitutional amendments, on the ballot this last fall. Both passed by over 60% margin. So in other words, if you're able to convince enough of your fellow Ohioans that it's a good initiative, it will pass. If it's not, it, it's, it blocks the the gamesters and the hucksters from buying up a lot of commercial ads and basically getting something barely over the line. And what we heard yesterday is the abortion rights industry, the abortionists are coming for our ballot, folks, and you need to be aware of this. They're going to put a ballot initiative on constitutional amendment. That means all the pro-life laws, folks, that we've worked on for 30 years in the Ohio General Assembly, convincing enough of our fellow citizens who serve us in the General Assembly to pass pro-life protection laws would be wiped out with one constitutional amendment, slick ads by the political left like they did in Michigan just to the north this last election. Many of you are not even aware that now abortion is legal to the ninth month in Michigan and a whole lot more that's so bad of what happened in Michigan. People are waking up like over a bad hangover of what happened there. The pro-life community is reeling, and it's a constitutional amendment, not easily 
uh, overturned in Michigan. We don't want that happening in Ohio. That's why we're fully in support of this. And I dare anyone of uh, these other organizations say, well, what about you, Ohio Christian? Oh, what about us? Well, we've been working on more constitutional amendments and more initiatives in this state than anybody else over the years. I can show you the stacks and stacks of material and signature gathering and all of that. And look, folks, what we realize is that you just can't go ahead and keep this out there as an option for the political left to en route our General Assembly and the Ohio, uh, the representatives of o- Ohio communities to get something on the ballot and with millions of dollars the political left has right now to be able to adopt something that none of us want but we end up getting if we don't watch out and really greg that's what this is all about and i'm sorry i'm a little fired up here because i've been holding back i told the one legislator okay we won't go out on a public statement yet but today is that day and we are fully in support of the 60 percent threshold listen you can't change the u.s constitution you have to have two-thirds so we're following federal precedent here so that's why we think it's a good idea your thoughts well, and well, let's be real clear here. The Constitution is meant to be a framework for how we govern ourselves. It is a framework document. It is the foundational document of our system of government in Ohio. It is that heart and soul. But it is a framework. It's not meant to be this overwhelming policy document where people who have disagreements on different policy issues can go in and stick this into this foundational document. I mean, that's not what it should be. Now, I will say... That's what it could be. You mentioned casinos. I'll tell you another example. We have a thing in the Ohio Constitution that I'm sure anybody who's in the farming community is aware of this, but if you're, if you're not, you probably would be surprised to learn. We have something called the Livestock Care Standards Board that's in existence, and it's in the Constitution. And the reason it was in the Constitution is because an animal rights group from out in Washington, D.C., essentially blackmailed folks into running a constitutional amendment campaign that would have had really terrible uh, impacts on the agriculture community, the farming community in Ohio. And as you know, Chris, farming is a huge industry in the state of Ohio. It employs tons of people and is a response, responsible for a lot of our GDP in the state of Ohio. And yet we had out-of-state actors coming in, essentially trying to hijack our constitutional process. So it's about actually a lot of different issues that can be used by special interests who want to use the Constitution as a playground to advance their special interests. And, and I'm looking right uh, here on the Ohio State House News Bureau website. Legal pot supporters in Ohio see path forward in 2023. Here we go again. Here comes the legalized pot group wanting to go on the ballot, too, and then just barely get this over the line. We have medical marijuana in this state. We have dispensaries for those kinds of things. Uh, we don't need recreational marijuana illegalized in the state of Ohio. It's been a disaster in Colorado and other states uh, who lament that, and even Democrats. Democrats who, who lament that it, it passed in their state because of all the problems that come along with it. So, folks, beware. This is what's going on. That's why we're having Greg Lawson on the program today, because we need this state house update. So, as it is right now, because of some of the discussion, it, they may not have the votes. I got the same report you got, Greg, that uh, they may be as many as 15 votes short now of uh, the 60 needed in the Ohio House unless something changes in the next uh, 10 days. Then it would have to go on uh, the docket for the new General Assembly. What number will that be? The new General Assembly will be what? Uh, you know, I actually have to remember if it's 134 or 135. I think it's 135, <laughs> but I'd have to double-check, actually. That <laughs> stumped the stumped the genius here. On I forgot myself, but yeah, so uh, the next General Assembly, of course, will be uh, taking this up. Now, 
Normally, they don't get the business till February. Everybody gets sworn in. They have uh, they have retreats uh, with the caucuses and the two-party system, and then they come back and they start business in February. They would need to do this in January, which would be unprecedented, because they need to pass it 90 days before the May primary ballot. You talk to us about that. Yeah, that, that the requirement, uh, so the legislature has the ability to put these questions on the ballot as well as through uh, a signature gathering campaign that would be citizen-initiated. But in both cases, <clears throat> they have to have the requisite requirements in order to be able to get it onto the ballot, and it has to be 90 days before the primary. And uh, where uh, we have a, a primary, but uh, May, right? Yeah, next year. So you have to have it on three months in advance, basically, in order for it to qualify. So you are under a time crunch uh, from the policymakers who are seeking to make this happen. Um, so, you know, I think this is going to be a conversation that's going to have to continue to happen. I would expect that it will continue to happen, uh, barring something surprising happening. And, uh, uh, you know, in the next, and actually, you know, we're talking about the slam duck uh, session. I'm not sure they're going to come back even next week. I think we're talking about uh, between 24 and 36 hours worth more of time oh, uh, my. that we're talking okay. about. Uh, I don't because uh, they're they're due for a session tomorrow, and uh, if uh, uh, things don't happen there, there's a possibility they could come back next week. But I would be, uh, it's not impossible, but I would be surprised. We are talking with Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute, and we're talking about the lame duck session that's uh, really fast and furious right now in Columbus. And so uh, stay tuned to the news, both the Buckeye Institute, their website is BuckeyeInstitute.org. That's BuckeyeInstitute.org. And, of course, our website, Ohio Christian Alliance. Just search that, and we'll have some news up there about these two items of the 60% constitutional amendment proposal. And the next item we're going to talk about, uh, this has actually been a, a big concern for a lot of people. Tell us about the new proposal that would restructure the uh, way in which the state school board operates. Tell us about that, Greg. Yes, it's uh, called Senate Bill 178. It's a bill that originated in the state Senate, and it has passed the state Senate. So it is now being considered by the Ohio House of Representatives. They would have to pass it, and assuming that it passed, it would then go to the governor for a signature. Um, and so what this is, is it's a revamping of our education system in Ohio. What it would do is we have a constitutional, speaking of the Constitution, requirement that we have a state school board um, and that the state school board selects a superintendent. However, within the Constitution, the require, what the actual kind of parameters of what the school board can do, basically what its job is, is still defined by law or statutes that are passed by the General Assembly. So for a variety of reasons, which we can certainly get into, uh, and I think are very valid reasons, uh, there is a desire to reform this to the point where the state school board would be slightly more limited in what it is doing. Uh, right now it has a very broad portfolio of things that it is involved with in terms of education policy. This bill would essentially uh, limit what the state school board is involved with uh, to dealing with state licensure issues for teachers. And at the same time it does that, what it does is it expand, it, it kind of revamps the State Department of Education. It essentially makes it a cabinet-level position that would serve under the governor. The director of the department would have to be confirmed. There would be an advising consent role for the state senate. So the governor can select who they want, but there's still a role for the legislature to have a, an ability to have a conversation and talk about who that person is that would be selected. 
and the, the department would also uh, have a couple of divisions, one which is of what we kind of think of as the department today, which deals with typical K-12 uh, education issues, where there'd be a special division that would also be created and would have their own director under uh, that would also work on this that deals more with the uh, jobs and tech tech centers, career centers, vocational training, and things of that nature. And the goal there is, in, in, in this case, the two different sub-directors within departments would work with the governor's workforce board and be far more integrated, in, which is a uh, an entity where educators and employers collaborate together so that employers can tell educators what it is that they need in order to have the kind of employees they need so that the educators can understand and help develop education programming that meets the current needs of employers for in-demand type jobs right here in Ohio. This is something where there's been some efforts to move back towards vocational and career tech, um, but not strong enough. This would be an effort to try to make sure that that is something that is really focused in on, focused like a laser, really, on by the new Department of Education. So it unfolds a lot of this under the governor. There is some controversy. There are some folks out there who think that that is problematic, and I am sympathetic to some of the views uh, that are out there. But let me just say this. We have a crisis in Ohio today in education. We have a crisis. Uh, first of all, we have historical learning loss as a result of the COVID school closures. This is not just an Ohio thing. It's a national thing, but it is definitely affecting every student here in the state of Ohio. We can't afford to be waiting around for reforms that get students the kind of skills that they need to have successful lives. We can't do it. They have gone backwards. We need to get them moving forward. And the fact that we've had this learning loss happen at this particular moment in Ohio history is really, really bad because we've got things like Intel coming into central Ohio. Right. And it's going to have a bunch of other options. And what you're talking about is, yeah, you're talking about the casualty of our young people during uh, COVID and the school closures and the lockdowns. Uh, they fell behind terribly in reading skills, math skills, science skills. Uh, all these kids are way behind their learning, and some of them will never catch up. Uh, this is a terrible thing that happened during closing of our schools during COVID, is what you're referring to. Isn't that right, Greg? It is. And, and see, let me just and be see, real. Right, right. And so uh, we do have a crisis in this state and across the country, and what these kids have lost uh, in learning and class time. And you would you think you know a lot of parents are listening and say, well, I made sure that my my student. Well, you were you were an exception, not the rule. Lots of these kids fell behind, and it didn't matter about uh, what community they were in or what district. Lots of students fell behind uh, in their uh, status of where they're at on their path to graduation. So it, I agree with you; it is a, a crisis. However, this uh, Senate Bill 178 is a sea change of the state school board, and a lot of people are threatened, feel threatened by that because they see currently we can elect state school board members to have a, um, a voice, as it were, uh, to the state school board or the, and the Ohio Department of Education. They feel as if that comes up under the governor. Uh, it basically will be just that, the governor's choice, and we will lose our voice. Uh, speak to that for a minute. Well, look, I understand that concern, but the governor is still elected here in the state of Ohio, and you can bring a lot of pressure to bear on the governor. Let me just say this. The school board today is not getting things done. They are still debating about 
the firm to select to do a search for a new superintendent, and we've been without a permanent superintendent for over a year here in the state of Ohio. They are engaged in a lot of different kinds of conversations that aren't focused on the very things that you and I were just talking about, Chris. This tragedy, this, this, this unique crisis that we have with the learning loss needs to be their primary focus. And I don't, I don't want to cast any kind of negative light on any individual members, but I think the very structure of the school board that has too many different functions under it is part of the problem, and we're not getting things done. Now, this isn't necessarily a perfect solution to the challenges, but what it does is it brings accountability to the governor's office. And if people don't like it, they can go after the governor. I'll also say, because of the way it's being structured, the legislature is still going to have essentially veto authority over whoever it is that the governor selects to run the Department of Education. So the legislature, which they don't have today, by the way, so this gives the legislature, which is duly elected members by the electorate, uh, a greater say, too. So there is checks and balances that are built into this package. I get where some of the concerns are. Uh, under other circumstances, this might be even something that people might want to tap the brakes on. But I would say that this is not just any old moment. This is a moment in time where we have a unique crisis, and we really are running the risk of losing generations of students and not being able to give them what they need to live the kind of life that we want them to live right here in the Buckeye State. So we need to do something. We need to do something now. This is a sea change, as you said, Chris. Uh, I get that some people are going to be uncomfortable about it, but if you choose the status quo right now, that is a status quo of decline, pure and simple. Um, If this doesn't work as well as we want it to, the legislature has every right to come back and work on this, but we need to do something that's dramatically different, or we run the risk of saddling an entire generation uh, of our future children uh, with uh, with less than what they need to be successful. I have to tell you that uh, something that came up in my social media memory today was Senate Bill 165 before the Ohio General Assembly. Uh, Bill Batchelder was speaker at the time, and that was 11 years ago, it shows in my social media memory. And, of course, that is the founding American documents curriculum that we got passed is still in place. Uh, The children must learn the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers, the Ohio Constitution, the Northwest Ordinance from the 8th to the 12th grade with an end-of-course exam. We didn't get that done through the school board, Greg. We got it done through the legislature, and and neither the state school board or the legislature has been able to change it because voices have risen all across the state saying we want our children to learn American history and American government as the founding documents dictates. Uh, So as you state, it's really through the legislature that uh, education policy gets passed. The state school board has been a place of which uh, basically can pass some resolutions, they can create some problems. Uh, A lot of liberals on that uh, committee over the years have done just that, but they can't put hard and fast statute legislation into practice. Only the legislature can do that. Isn't that right? That is correct. Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute, thank you for taking time with us today. Uh, Wow. And so, again, Senate Bill 178 and, of course, HJR 6, uh, which is the proposal to raise the constitutional amendment process to 60%. Greg, thank you for all the great work you do at the State House for conservative purposes with the Buckeye Institute. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless you, my friend, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas. Thank you. And thank you, friend, for listening today to News in Focus. And you can learn more about the Ohio Christian Alliance at our website at ohioca.org. 
stay tuned. We're going to have our Veterans Day celebration of the D-Day Prayer Edition, that special program's coming up as a um, an encore edition. Don't go away. We'll be right back. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're going to have a special edition as we're going to look back at Veterans Day of this year and our celebration at the World War II Memorial D-Day Prayer Edition. That's adding FDR's D-Day Prayer. And we had a lot of friends from Ohio and across the country join us at the World War II Memorial on Veterans Day of this year. And we're going to hear some of those messages. We're going to hear from Bill Fetter and Congressman Bill Johnson. Also going to hear the message that I delivered. With us was Crew 44, a reenactment group that was with us that day. Also, uh, Charlie Reinhardt, a World War II veteran from Patton's 3rd Army of the 6th Armored Division, was with us that day. It was a great day to have Ohioans. There was a bus tour that came down from Ohio, and Pastor Al Davis, who's with me on the phone, also live with Pastor Al weekly here at the station, and a board member of OCA was with us. And uh, we had some folks come down for a war memorials tour. A number of veterans were with us. Uh, Pastor Al, it was a great day, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely, Chris. And, you know, despite the threats of, of the uh, tropical storm remnants, 
uh, excellent turnout and such a great spirit. And uh, everybody that I've talked to and heard from since thoroughly enjoyed the day. What a blessing it was. Well, that's right. And, you know, everyone that came and, and uh, rain or shine, they were determined to come. And that so blessed our heart. And the Lord gave us a window. I woke up at three in the morning. I looked finally at the radar. I said, okay, here it is. We planned this for months. And then I saw this big, I saw the green blob coming through in, on the mall in Washington in the map, but then came this big white area, and it showed that about the time of our ceremony beginning was the rain was going to subside, and it did. In fact, Congressman Johnson, who people are going to be listening to, said it was providential that God opened up the skies and caused the, the rain to stop so we could get our ceremony in. Well, we're going to listen to this, and we're going to spend the full hour and share with you, and we're going to give you an important update of the prayer. In fact, we have some very exciting news. We're getting very close to the prayers opening at the World War II Memorial. Well, with that also was our host, um, actually MC Bob uh, France, was with us that day as our MC, as our Master of Ceremony. But uh, let's go right now to the speech that I delivered that day and giving thanks to our veterans and it's for their honor. I am in awe of our next presenter because everything that has been said about him is true. This was his baby. This was his idea over a decade ago for one pastor in one little town in Ohio to make what is happening right now at this memorial is remarkable. Chris Long is the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance and the Christian Alliance of America, a public policy organization representing Christian interests before the Ohio legislature and the U.S. Congress. The Christian Alliance advocates for religious liberty and First Amendment issues. Legislative successes over the years <clears throat> include the founding of American Documents curriculum that requires the teaching of the founding documents in American history and government courses from grades 8 through 12 in Ohio schools. Chris is the initiator of this D-Day Landing Prayer Act, also known as the World War II Memorial Prayer Act, S-1044, that passed Congress in June of 2014 and was signed into law on June 30th of 2014. Legislation that is adding the D-Day prayer of FDR here at the World War II Memorial. Please welcome Pastor Chris Long. Thank you all for coming to this special ceremony. As we're adding this wonderful presidential prayer here at the World War II Memorial, FDR's D-Day prayer. It's been an 11-year journey. How did we get here? Well, as Bob was just saying, I woke up one morning with an idea back in 2011, actually after Congressman Bill Johnson was just newly elected and sworn into office along with the new congressman of that time. And I said to the wife, I got an idea, don't know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna ask Congressman Bill Johnson to offer legislation that will add FDR's D-Day prayer in its entirety here at the World War II Memorial. Well, we began that journey and Congressman Johnson agreed and said, Chris, I'd be honored to do that. Got a call a little later from Senator Portman, said, Chris, that's a tremendous idea. I wanna be your Senate sponsor. And so we were off and running in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. Congress. It took a few years to get it passed 
At that time, my father was still with us, and my father-in-law as well, both who served in World War II. My father in the Pacific, uh, he served on an LCS, landing craft support vessel, a small vessel that only housed 72 men. It had anti-aircraft guns, and Bill Halsey used it as the picket line around the fleet uh, during the Battle of Okinawa. He called them his mighty midgets. So they did see a lot of action of a lot of kamikazes coming in. Uh, his ship did receive commendations for shooting down several planes and then one very close call that may have taken them all out. But Dad was a big champion of my efforts. He's not with us. He passed away nine years ago, as well as my father-in-law, James Bryan, who also served in World War II as a corporal. And um, we honor those men today. That's what Veteran Day, Veterans Day is about. This is a wonderful place to be on Veterans Day, to be here on the Mall. My wife and I have had the privilege of being here the last few years, taking in the ceremony here that the Friends of the World War II conduct each Veterans Day at 9 a.m. and happened this morning. And the Friends of the World War II Memorial do a great job of observing all the key uh, moments during World War II. They'll be in just a few weeks, of course, in acknowledgement of Pearl Harbor Day on December 7th. And then later in December, hopefully, we'll be dedicating the prayer itself. It will be completed at that time. But as you walk this mall, this is a place where politics stops. This portion of the mall. These memorials where these men fought and died for our country. All politics stops there. When we come in here, we're Americans. We're not left or right or center or of this party persuasion or another. We're Americans. There's a unity in that. This prayer brought us together back on June 6, 1944. And think about it. I can't recall any other time, and I'll have to talk to my good friend and historian Bill Fetter, any other time in our history over broadcast channel that our president has gone to the airwaves asking his fellow countrymen to join him in prayer. It is the way in which FDR chose to announce to the nation that the liberation of Europe was underway. He went to the airwaves at 9.57 that evening. So it was D-Day plus one in Europe. And then he asked the nation to pray. He said, when I came to you last night, I told you about the fall of Rome. I knew at that time that an even greater operation was underway. And it has met with success thus far. So I ask you to join with me in prayer. We're gonna hear that prayer in its entirety in just a few minutes from the members of Crew 44. But how we got here was a historian, a congressman, a senator, veterans, hundreds of veterans and their families, signing petitions, sending in small donations. That's how we got here. And what are we doing? We're adding a prayer that will last for a long time, but it's not just written in stone. As you can see today, it's living history. With us here is Crew 44. The young Marines were with us as well, a very young troop of Marines. But they, they're reenactors living out history, carrying on the mission, being the evangelists for history, carrying on the message so it's never forgotten. This prayer will not just be a place where go, people go and read a historical presidential prayer, but hopefully in that, they will hear the voices of those veterans who sacrificed so much as you just heard Congressman Johnson talk about 
who left the ships that day into that landing craft and onto those beaches. This last week, I had a moment that I was overcome with emotion. After voting, I went down to the Army surplus store in our town in, in Barberton, Ohio, and they do it right. It's a very patriotic place. You know, back when we were growing up, Sur Army surplus stores was like almost secondhand junk stores. This is not that. Veterans come in all the time, get their uniforms sewn, a current uh, service personnel and veterans, and they have patches of all the different services all over the walls. They have patriotic music that's playing. I kind of like call them the mission barbecue of surplus stores. It's very patriotic when you go in there. But, um, well, I was getting Charlie his hat that he's wearing there. I'm getting it all sewed on, the patch, and of course his specific division. We want to get it right. He served in the 3rd Army in the 6th Armored Division. So we wanted to make sure that got right. And she said, well, it'll take a few minutes. Well, I said, no, take your time. I'm going to enjoy myself here. As I went into the back room and I looked at all the patches, represent all of our veterans and the services of all the wars that they served in. I thought of my family members who have gone on, who served. I thought of those Vietnam War veterans who served. And so many, of course, that never came home. I was overcome with emotion. At that moment, received encouragement. They are with us here today. And it's for them that we add this prayer. Excuse me. But it's these young men and women who will carry the mission on. Two portions of the prayer I would like to read to you that's coming down to me, and it's in your program. Please take it with you and read it in its entirety later. In the third line, Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Think of how many of those troops actually liberated the concentration camps and saw the horror of the war. It ends with, with thy blessing we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations in a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Amen. Thank you. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust and here's Bob France, our MC for the day, introducing author and historian Bill Fetter, who is our next speaker at the World War II Memorial Veterans Day celebration of the D-Day Prayer Edition. 
Federer is a nationally known speaker, best-selling author, historian, and president of Amerisearch, a publishing company dedicated to researching America's noble heritage. Bill's American Minute radio feature is broadcast daily across America and by the Internet. His Faith in History television airs on the TCT network on nations across America and via DirecTV. Bill's first book, America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations, has sold over a half million copies. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bill Federer. Welcome. It is an honor to be here with you for this momentous occasion of adding to the National Mall here at the World War II Memorial the D-Day prayer of Franklin D. Roosevelt. Special recognition to the tireless efforts of Chris and Sylvia Long, who conceived of this over a decade ago, Congressman Bill Johnson and Senator Rob Portman, who championed this in the halls of Congress, and the Friends of the World War II Memorial, and to the hundreds of those who gave and helped make this become a reality. Thank you. On June 6, 1944, President Franklin Roosevelt gave a radio announcement as over 160,000 Allied troops from America, Britain, Canada, Free France, Poland, and other nations were landing along a 50-mile stretch of the Normandy coast of France to invade Europe and push back the army of Hitler's National Socialist Workers' Party. It was the largest seaborne invasion force in world's history, supported by 13,000 aircraft, 5,000 ships, and 195,000 Navy personnel. Supreme Allied General Dwight Eisenhower gave his D-Day orders, which began Operation Overlord, lasting almost three months. Eisenhower said, you are about to embark on a great crusade. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. You will bring about the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe. Eisenhower continued, your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. And let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. In his D-Day prayer, Franklin Roosevelt said, my fellow Americans, last night when I spoke to you about the fall of Rome, I knew that our troops, that uh, troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. I ask you to join with me in prayer. And he begins, Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessing. Their road will be long and hard, for the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. We know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. And then FDR continues, some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. Now, one of those who never returned was my uncle, who I never met. 
Orville Wilford Billy Epperson. He was a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army Air Corps, 525th Bomber Squadron, 379th Bomber Group, recipient of the Purple Heart. His B-17, the Pansy Yoakum, was shot down during Operation Overlord over the English Channel a month later, July 9th of 1944. I don't know much about him other than he was my mom's only brother. He was 23 and he was an Eagle Scout. I was an Eagle Scout. The original Scout Oath began, on my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country. This typified the patriotism of the young men and women who fought. The American Legion motto, adopted 1919, for God and country. Six months after D-Day, the Nazis were running out of fuel. They made a blitzkrieg toward the port of Antwerp, Netherlands, in hopes of getting access to oil. 13 Nazi Panzer and Infantry Divisions, made up of an estimated 300,000 men, were stopped at the Battle of the Bulge at a strategic spot where eight roads came together at Baston in the Ardennes Forest of Belgium. It was a sub-zero freezing day. There was a 40-day battle, went from December 16, 1944 to January 25, 1945 and Charlie Reinhardt was there and he served with Patton. Thank you, Charlie Reinhardt, for serving at Baston in the Battle of the Bulge. I had an Uncle Les Liebman that fought in that battle. I, I share, yes. Baston was defended by the 101st Airborne and other troops, including the U.S. 10th Armored Division and the African-American 969th Artillery Battalion. And there was others. Vince uh, Speranza served with the 101st Airborne. General Eisenhower had integrated the military and had over 2,000 black American soldiers volunteer to be sent to the front lines. Over 700 of them were killed in combat. Eisenhower stated in his Battle of the Bulge Order, December 22, 1944, by rushing out of his fixed defenses, the enemy, the Nazis, may give us the chance to turn their great gamble into their worst defeat. So I call upon every man of the Allies to rise now to new heights of courage with unshakable faith in the cause for which we fight. He continues, Eisenhower, we will, with God's help, go forward to our greatest victory. And when Nazi commander Heinrich Freiherr von Lutwitz sent the message to American Brigadier General Anthony McAuliffe of the 101st Airborne, informing him that he was surrounded and demanded that he surrender, McAuliffe gave his famous refusal in one word, nuts. Coming to the rescue was General George Patton with his Third Army and Another one of my uncle, Jim Giles, served with Patton. Patton's third army was pinned down due to bad weather. He had his chaplain, Father James O'Neill, compose a prayer and had it printed on a quarter of a million index cards with Patton's Christmas greeting on the reverse side. The, pair, the prayer read, Almighty and most merciful Father, we humbly beseech thee of thy great goodness to restrain these immoderate rains. 
with which we have had to contend. Grant us fair weather for battle. Graciously hearken to us as soldiers who call upon thee, that um, who would call thee, that armed with thy power we may advance from victory to victory, crush the oppression and wickedness of our enemies, and establish thy justice among men and nations. Amen. Order of a million men prayed that prayer the sky cleared and miraculously the next day the weather cleared the planes could fly they could give air support to our troops and Patton's army marched an unbelievable distance in a short time punched through the Nazi lines and rescued the 101st airborne well the Nazis ran out of fuel they never made it to Antwerp and they had to retreat they abandoned their tanks along the way. They retreated back to Berlin, where four months after the Battle of the Bulge, Hitler reportedly committed suicide. Through World War II, we see men and women having courage standing up. 85 million deaths worldwide took place because of World War II, but the Earth was saved from imperialism of Japan and the totalitarianism of the National Socialist Workers' Party in Germany. Today, our nation is again facing unprecedented challenges with instability worldwide and powerful forces pushing for globalism. Internally, there is an orchestrated attack on patriotism with some attempting to malign it as nationalism. But the nation we want to preserve is the same as those that we are remembering today, a nation which cherishes freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, government from the consent of the governed, and a nation which believes we have inalienable rights from our Creator. There is another significant thing about today. It's Veterans Day 2022. It was the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918 that World War I ended. Nearly 43 million Allied troops fought in World War I, over 5 million killed in action. One of those who fought was my grandfather, Orville Epperson, in the 338th Machine Gun Battalion. Another World War I soldier for America was Irving Berlin. He was a Russian Jewish immigrant to America, and he loved our country. And he wrote a prayer, and he put it to song. And we've all sung it. And I'm going to end with a few lines from the song written by Irving Berlin. While the storm's cloud gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance to a land that's free. Let us all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. God bless you. And that was Bill Fetter of the American Minute, and he also presented at the Veterans Day D-Day Prayer Edition celebration in Washington, D.C. at the World War II Memorial.
You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.